You are listening to the Catholic Exchange Podcast. Hello, welcome to the Catholic Exchange Podcast. This is Michael Lichens, your editor and host, here with a whole new season in the year 2019. Today I'm happy to bring in Haley Stewart. She's a longtime author, contributor, and podcast guest here on the Catholic Exchange Podcast. I've also been on her podcast, Fountain of Carrots, and I highly recommend you listen if you're not already listening. Today we're going to be talking about minimalism and learning to have enough in a throwaway culture. We'll get into what these terms mean. Meanwhile, if you have any questions, at ericcatholicexchange.com. Also, if you can, feel free to leave a review over at iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And with that, we go now to Haley, the author of the new book, The Grace of Enough. Pursuing less and living more in a throwaway culture. Haley, let's start out. You talk about detachment in your latest book, Pursuing Less and Living More in a Throwaway Culture, is a subtitle of The Grace of Enough, a new book from Haley out of Ave Maria Press. Now, Haley, can you talk us a little bit about what is it to have enough? And you talk about detachment. What would you call that, and how does it work in the spiritual life? Yeah, so in the book, I kind of shared a story about how my family got rid of most of our possessions because we were moving mm-hmm. across the country and we we're going to move into a teeny tiny apartment. And so we couldn't take um, most of our stuff. We needed to get rid of it. And so I talked about the process of purging things and then realizing we didn't actually need those things, but we were maybe mm-hmm. holding on to them out of a sense of um, perhaps kidding ourselves into thinking our things would be satisfying us. Or maybe because we had a sense of, oh, I've got to hold on to this because I might need it someday. Kind of a lack of faith in um, God's provision for us. Mm -hmm. I think both those things definitely came into play. And so then getting rid of that stuff and realizing how much better we felt, how much less there was to keep track of and to keep clean and organized, and just how much stuff we didn't need that was dragging us down. Mm. And so um, I think to be to have a healthy kind of detachment to our things is is to see them for what they are. That you know these are these are things that may have a use, but these are not things that can satisfy us. Mm-hmm. And to see that if we have too much or if we put too much of our heart and soul into our possessions, then they can actually really distract us from the spiritual life and keep us from pursuing things that are of eternal value. And I remember in that story, I actually had no idea how small of a space you and Daniel lived in when you guys (laughs) moved back to Texas. 650 square feet, which is actually smaller than my really tiny apartment I just left behind in Denver. So, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, with three kids in it, too. Gosh, I I think my roommate and I were going to kill each other, and that had about 700 square feet, so I don't know. Uh, this is something I think you're hitting, your book hits on a trend. We're seeing, of course, people make fun of tiny houses, but this is a trend and something people are looking towards. Do you think there's a general cultural idea that maybe the stuff we've been working for 50, 60 years is just not worth it anymore? I think it's definitely a cultural trend. You mentioned the tiny house movement. Mm-hmm. Um, as I was doing some research for my book, I found out that there's often a lot of um, tension in relationships between the baby boomer generation and their mm-hmm. millennial children because the millennials aren't as interested in taking on 
all of their possessions that they yes. might have, you know, as, as they're moving into a new state of life, they've got all this stuff to pass on. And the millennials are saying, well, I don't really want all your stuff. And that can cause a lot of friction in the relationship. Um, and mm -hmm. I, I think that the millennial generation and, and beyond that, I think a lot of people are swinging back away from this um, storage unit kind of mentality. You know, we don't just have so much stuff in our house that it's full to the brim, but we have to actually pay to put all our stuff we're not using somewhere else. You know, it sounds crazy when you think about it, but I think that is a trend and people are realizing with books like, what is it? I always forget the title. It's the life changing magic of tidying up is, is what it's called. I always want to say the magical art of tidying up or something, yeah. um, <laughs> but that, you know, you feel better when you don't have all of this stuff. But I think that, our Christian faith can give us a basis for why that is um, and prevent us from just obsessing over our possessions in order to be minimal in a way that's maybe just as disordered as having too much stuff, you know, obsessing over the few items that we have and trying to keep it, you know, at a minimum. And I think that sometimes the, the tiny house Someone living in a tiny house could be just as attached to their things oh, as someone yes. living in a McMansion. You know, so trying to figure out what what is the Christian basis for our relationship with our possessions, and so why is it that we feel better when we have less? You know, and it's because we're made for so much more than having possessions. And when we're distracted from things of eternal value, then we, we don't feel good because we're not as spiritually healthy. And that's a great theme. I know you've quoted Pope Benedict in there of. What is it? You're not made for comfort. You're made for greatness. Right, right. I found, I found that. Um, I think because I, I had been quoting that quote, which is everywhere, but I think it's actually a paraphrase. I'm going to try to remember what the actual quote was because I remember really liking it. It's um, those who think it's something like those who think that following Christ is a life of comfort mm -hmm. have dialed the wrong number is what he said. I, I just thought that was really cute because I could just imagine him saying dialed the wrong number for some reason. Yes. It's like a very <laughs> cute turn of phrase, but, um, <laughs> but yes, that we're, we're designed for a lot more than having stuff. And so that can never mm -hmm. satisfy the human heart. Absolutely agree with you on that. And you mentioned like, it's interesting when you step back and look at our stuff, you mentioned the storage unit culture, but also, that there are tensions between families, you know, parents and children. And I felt that in, uh, not directly, but many of my friends that I lived with, I had to finally tell them, like, hey, quit taking your parents' stuff. We don't have any room. <laughs> Stop it. They're like, yeah, but they'll get angry. And it's intriguing to me, like, getting rid of stuff or trying to make sure stuff doesn't get lost actually creates a great amount of tension. Did you guys find that when you were moving to Texas? We didn't really have too much of of a problem with that, um, with our family members or, I mm -hmm. mean, I think that I, I think we were in a position where we didn't feel sentimental cause we just wanted to be done with getting rid of this stuff. Yes. But I mean, there are certainly things that I feel sentimental about, you know, I just had a new baby and I'm, you know, putting her in this little sweater that my first baby wore that I, I saved in a box of, of baby things, you yeah. know? And so I think that, you know, there are certain things that we feel sentimental about because we connect them to really special memories or really special people. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to um, remember that not having those items do not keep us from 
you know, don't make us lose those memories or make us love the person that gave it to us less. And um, it's it's a tricky thing. I've I had a people few people ask me for advice about you know what do you do when you have this um, tension in the your relationship with your parents because of the possessions issue, mm-hmm. and you know what do you do? And I mean it's just it's really tough because I think in that situation. Um, just as when we're getting rid of stuff, we tell ourselves people are more important than things. I think it's another situation where maybe the charitable thing is to have a little bit more than you'd like it because people are more important than things. You don't want to destroy this relationship to find some kind of, you know, balance there with good communication and, you know, expressing in a, in a way that's charitable and kind, what your desire for living with less is, but then also being open to, the charity of accepting maybe a little more than you'd like. That's a good point too. And I think you mentioned you didn't feel any sentimentality because of the reality of moving. And what I often tell people, if you want to get rid of stuff, move across the country a few times. Suddenly you hate (laughs) what you own. You're throwing out like family heirlooms and just like, I don't care. I'm not moving it. (laughs) Who needs that wedding album? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I, I definitely felt that way as I was going through our stuff. And I was thinking, is we we rented one of those pods, you know, where they, mm-hmm. they like drop off the square pod and you fill it up and then they transport it for you. So mm-hmm. we, we did that. And knowing we just had this certain amount of space to move everything we had in the world, it makes you look at your item and say, is that really worth that amount of space? Mm. <laughs> or is that something I could pick up at a thrift store or borrow from a friend or really actually never use again? And so I think it does. Moving definitely puts it into perspective. But uh, for all of those who aren't lucky slash unlucky enough to have to move across the country, uh, what would you say is good advice if you're thinking, I'm overwhelmed by everything I'm attached to? What can I do about it as a first step? Yeah, well, for me personally, I work better in small, um, but in small areas, but where I can see clear improvement, if that makes sense. So like Mm -hmm. take one bookshelf or not that I'm telling you to get rid of books because that's probably the one thing I would never get rid of. So I won't be a hypocrite and tell you to go through your books and get rid of the ones you don't need because we need all of them. Right, Michael? Um, but you know, I would go through a dresser or go through a closet and just focus on that one thing. You know, what things do we take everything out? What things do we really need? What things are not necessary? And then put everything back in that you want to keep, get rid of the stuff you don't need or put it in a box where you can think about it and convince yourself later that yes, you really don't need it. Um, and then I can see progress in that space. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that if you kind of bite off more than you can chew all at once, you get kind of paralyzed by overwhelm. Oh gosh. Yeah. I can imagine that. That's I think half the stress of moving Yeah, is you should have tried to do that a few months ago. <laughs> exactly. Uh, what was, how have your kids handled like this idea? Like how did they handle it? And how has your relationship with your kids changed since trying to keep things minimal? Yeah. Well, when we were moving, our kids were younger. This was three years ago. So our oldest was five, almost six. And, um, at that point we didn't involve them in the, mm-hmm. in the decluttering process. Cause it just would have been a lot of meltdowns and suddenly sure. the toy that they haven't used in two years becomes the 
their most favorite item in the universe that they could never part with. Um, so we kind of went through their stuff and got rid of things and pared things down. Mm -hmm. And when they were at grandma's first sleepover and when they came back, they were really happy that their room looked so organized and didn't notice that things were gone (laughs) because they just weren't playing with all of those things. So they had no reason to even notice they were gone and never asked about any of those items, which is interesting. So clearly they had way more than they needed. Um, and, but now we do get them more involved. Like if a Mm -hmm. new stuffed animal comes in the house for someone's birthday, we say, okay, which stuffed animal that you already have, are we ready (laughs) to part with? And, um, another thing we've discovered in the past couple years, um, is, things called buy nothing groups. Usually they're set up on Facebook and they're local to like your neighborhood or your part of town. Mm-hmm. And so you can then take a picture of that stuffed animal that you're parting with and post it in the group and see if anybody, anybody's kid needs a stuffed animal. And then you can get it directly to that person that needs it. And I think that helps my kids too. Cause we'll say, Hey, do you want this to go to another little girl or boy who needs a stuffed animal? And then they're more excited about it. And so I think at a certain age, they're able to be involved and might mm-hmm. not completely understand what the, the benefits of what you're helping them do. I think that that's, you know, like grownups, it's hard to convince yourself you don't need all of these things you have, same struggles as we have. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think over the long term that it is beneficial. And I mean, even things like I am not as upset about everyone's messy rooms because they simply don't have as much stuff to leave a mess with <laughs> is <laughs> helpful for our relationship so that mom doesn't lose it. Um, sure. So yeah, but I think that giving them that picture of someone else could use this, another person might need this and we have too much is a very helpful thing to kind of get into their mm-hmm. mindset of their possessions that if we have more than we need, there's someone who who doesn't have enough and we need to focus on that person. How does Christmas look with this idea? We try to focus on experiences over mm-hmm. items. And yeah. so things like um, passes to the museum, you know, a family pass to the zoo, going on a camping trip, like those kind of gifts. Mm-hmm. We try to focus on those or things that the child actually needs. Um, like clothing items or everybody always needs books. I'm sorry. I'm like such a hypocrite. I'm telling everybody they don't have to get rid of your books. (laughs) Um, (laughs) That's like my, my one Waterloo. But um, so I think that experiences over things, we try to do things over each of the 12 days of Christmas, like maybe go to the dollar movie one day and then another day um, make hot chocolate and do gingerbread houses or, you know, Mm -hmm. different experiences. So it really feels festive and feels celebratory. And we can talk about what this season means without it just being a bunch of gifts. Yeah. Um, And then we do have family members who gifts are their love language. So I try to really respect that and just give them a list of things that our kids could really use that we'd be excited for them to have. And let them express their love that way. You know, another like people are more important than things kind of thing. Even if I maybe like less things, um, I want to make sure that all our family members feel loved and get to express 
their love language. Um, Mm -hmm. and so our kids are always excited about getting gifts from extended family members. And, and because we know they are going to get great gifts from extended family members, it kind of takes the pressure off of us needing to do that. Absolutely. And, um, another thing we do, we started doing this maybe, I don't know, four years ago, five years ago is we give our small gifts for the kids on St. Nicholas day on December 6th. So that's when we do like stockings and a few little gifts and that's like the present day and we talk about St. Nicholas and mm-hmm. um, legends about St. Nicholas. And then that way Christmas Day is you know going to mass and cooking a special breakfast and maybe opening some gifts from extended family members but isn't as focused around the present opening because yeah. we've had a special day for that. And I think that's kind of helped just get across the the message of Christmas that we'd like to get across to our kids. That's it. Fantastic. And really in a lot of this, uh, with the idea of detachment and minimalism is it is emphasizing a human connection and that human love between people more than the stuff itself. Like you even mentioned, like even if that means you have to take on a little more stuff than you wanted, that's an expression of love that we sorely needing in this world right now. Right. Yeah, exactly. That I think it's, it is more complicated than people should have only a few things, you know, it's a lot Mm -hmm. more, more complicated than that. And, um, one of the things I mentioned in the book is that, you know, the Vatican does not have a checklist for, how many items we're allowed to have as lay people or how big our house can be, how many square foot per kid can you get, you know, um, mm-hmm. because it, that's something that we have to discern within our own families. And that makes it kind of complicated, but also yes. it's, you know, it requires prayer and, and thought and, you know, what is going to be best for, for our family life and how can we live out simplicity and even a little bit of poverty in, in a healthy way. Um, as mm-hmm. a spiritual practice and with, within the situation that we're in. And that's going to be different for, for different families. So I think it's really important not to compare with other families because that really yeah. might not be helpful at all <laughs> to your family's spiritual life and what kind of simplicity you are called to practice that can differ between people and families. Yeah, especially I like your point of it's more complicated than limiting stuff though. That can be good for us in America who have many things that can be a great first step. uh, What do you say is the end goal of detachment and learning to have that grace of enough? I think a lot of it is simply making room for more important things. So not, you know, Mm. not more important possessions, but more space in your more mental space, more um, Mm -hmm. space in your time because you're not dealing with all of this stuff and cleaning it and organizing it and just being distracted from more important matters by it. And, um, and the idea that sacrifice offering things up is a spiritual practice that is beautiful and effective. And so keeping in mind that the goal is the pursuit of holiness and living out the the love of Christ and the life of the gospel. Mm. And so that is a much more complicated road than just having less stuff. But like you said, having less stuff, especially for us Americans, that's probably a good place to start because it's very likely that we all have way too much. Oh, yes. And now as we wrap up, uh, one question I always love to ask authors, 
But in this case, I need to adjust it a little bit. You, I didn't mention at the intro, but you guys lived for a year on a Texas farm where Daniel was beekeeping, playing with the animals. They were lovely Instagram <laughs> photos. Thank um, you. <laughs> yeah, but what would you say was a major difference you noticed between the the day you guys arrived and when you left your little farm? Yeah, um, I think that really it was an opportunity over that year to spend so much time together as a family and just be on this schedule where we were eating three meals a day together and spending all of this time together and kind of taking on Mm -hmm. this adventure together in a way that really bonded us. And so I think that was really kind of the treasure that we brought out of that experience and have tried to Mm -hmm. really keep nurturing in our, our life now that we're not on a farm and we live in the city in a little house and um, so really seeing time differently, that our time is not just opportunities to be productive and efficient and make money and get stuff done, and, you know, achieve things that our time, the most important thing we can do with our time might be praying the rosary together or sitting across mm-hmm. the table and enjoying a meal and savoring it and talking and hanging out, that those might be much more important ways to spend our time. Um, And so trying to keep more of an eternal view, because I think it's Mm -hmm. so, so easy to feel, to to just get into this achievement product productivity mindset um, where we kind of need a price tag on all of our time. You know, this time is directed towards this thing and instead try to be open to living life at a slower pace so that, there is room for even more important things. All great words here. For all of you who are listening, you can find The Grace of Enough at any of your Catholic bookstores or through AveMariaPress.com. But Haley, if anyone wants to learn more about you, your podcast, where can they find you? Sure. They can go to FountainsOfCarrots.com is my podcast. Mm -hmm. And my blog is Carrots for Micklemas, which is spelled like Michael, M-A-S, dot com, Mm -hmm. or on Instagram or Twitter where I'm at Haley Carrots. Perfect. And I'll put all those links up in our show notes, as our listeners will know. And if you have any questions or you would like me to ask Haley more questions in the future, feel free to drop me an email, editor at catholicexchange.com. Otherwise, we'll have those links up for you. And... Haley, thank you so much for joining us today. This was a great conversation. Thanks so much for having me, Michael.